Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit lhachurch.com. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is wonderful. I said he is wonderful. Amen, amen. This morning, just uh, just want to pray real fast as we go into the word. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that, the fact that you have a love for us, Lord God. A love, Lord God, that is so incredible, Lord, that we really can't even understand it, Lord. And God, I just pray today, Lord God, that you will speak to us, Lord God, the message that you have for each and every one of us, Lord. And God, I just give this day to you, Lord God. I give this word to you, Lord Jesus. Speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Like Pastor was saying on Tuesday, just um, was here early in the morning and just just felt the Holy Spirit uh, drop a word into my heart. And title today is just simply Jesus, because this is what it's about. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus in our life. And as I was praying, as the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, uh, the, the Lord dropped three words um, into my spirit, and he dropped repentance, desperation, and love, and, and, he, and in that order. And so today I want to speak to you on those three words today. I want to speak to you guys what I believe that the Lord is speaking to each and every one of us today. You know, uh, we cannot replace Jesus with anything. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty big statement. We cannot replace Jesus with anything. Listen, no program, no building, no God-given talents, nor any person should ever and cannot replace our foundational need for an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I thank God because we are blessed at this church, because we have an incredible worship team. We have a team that takes us in to the presence of God week after week after week. We have an incredible man of God that's that's the head of our church and a pastor and a shepherd uh, that I have so much respect for, can't even describe with words. We have everything, but no person, no music, nothing should ever replace a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing should ever replace, no no Hillsong worship, no, nothing should ever replace that personal relationship that God is calling each and every one of us to. And this morning I want to start off talking about uh, repentance. And in the process of that of obtaining that personal relationship with Jesus, I think that there are steps that we need to take. There is a process that we need to take in our life. And James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10 says this. It says, you adulterous people didn't, I'm sorry, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Listen, therefore anyone Listen to this. Therefore, who anyone chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he is jealously longs for the spirit he calls to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. This is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 
verse 7. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. When we talk about repentance, and, and we see in the scripture, it's just a, a detailed uh, description of how God wants us to respond to him. How God wants us to respond to the great gift that he sent by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. How he wants us to respond. And it says in the scripture, and it's so clear, it says, listen, you cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. And when we're talking about the world, we're not talking about we can't be friends with anybody that's in the world. It's not talking about that. What it's talking about is the fact that this world is based on sin. Come on. This world, the world outside of God is based on self-pleasure, sin, and obtaining only for yourself. That's what this world is about. And God is saying, don't have any part of that. Flee from the sin. Get rid of the sin. Go from it. And the problem is, is today, the problem is, as a church, I believe, as Christians, many times, we become comfortable with sin. Listen, I'm, I'm not... Yeah, I, I'm not trying to step on toes or anything today. I'm not trying. I just want to share the word that the God put it, that God put in my spirit today. But I want to tell you something. I have heard many times people say, "Well, that that doesn't that sin doesn't affect me. I, I can watch that and it doesn't affect me. I can listen to that and it doesn't affect me. I can be around that and it doesn't affect me." Come on, how many know what I'm saying? I've heard that over and over and over and over again. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says that if we are a friend to the world, a friend to sin, and if we openly and allow that stuff into our life saying it doesn't affect me, I want you to know that somebody who is a friend of sin is an enemy of God. It's the truth. It's truth. We can no longer be comfortable with sin. Matter of fact, it should make us sick to our stomach. And I don't mean that towards people. I want you guys to understand. I'm not talking towards people at all. I'm talking about just sin. Sin should grieve our spirit. It should make us sick in our spirit. And the sin in this world, it should grieve us. It should grieve us. We should not ever be comfortable with it. We should never get used to it. It needs to be something that grieves us, that shakes us down to the core because we know that sin is what sends people to an eternal hell. We cannot be comfortable with it. We cannot just accept it. But we have to become a friend of God, a follower of God in his ways. A friend of sin is an enemy of God. The Bible talks about in this process of repentance as we are receiving Christ and we're going after Christ and, and 
striving for that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in James chapter 4 here, and it speaks to us, and it says, come near, wash your hands. Come near, wash your hands. Wash your hands. Now, it's not saying literally at, right after church you need to go to the bathroom and wash your hands because that's what Scripture's saying. It's saying, wash your hands of the world. Wash your hands of sin. Wash your hands of being comfortable with sin. Wash your hands. Purify yourself. Purify yourself. Wash your hands, you sinners, it says. And it says, purify your hearts. Our hearts so many times um, seeks things that are contrary to God. Our heart many times seeks things that are contrary. It, it, it's it's self-indulgent. It's what we want. It's what we want to happen. But the truth is, is God causes us to purify our hearts. And he says that we can no longer be double-minded. You know, in James chapter 1, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What is a double-minded man? A double-minded man is somebody who thinks that they can walk in world, in the world and sin at the same time they, that they walk in Christ and salvation. That cannot happen. The Bible says they are unstable in all their ways, which means if you are unstable, then I guarantee you, you will not have the ability to fight temptation and sin in your life. You cannot remain a friend of the world, a friend of sin, and a friend of God at the same time. You are double-minded, and you will be unstable in all your ways. God is calling us. He's calling his church. He's calling his people to that personal relationship with him. But it starts with repentance. It starts with repentance. It starts with God showing me. God, make it clear to me. I don't want to be a friend of the world. I want nothing to do with that. I don't want to be double-minded. I want my heart to be purified and my heart to only desire you. We cannot walk that world, in that world, in that way. And when we have repentance and we come to that point where we begin to purify our hearts, we begin to walk away and, and say no to the world, then in repentance, it's going to bring desperation into our life. In repentance, desperation will come. You go back to the scripture, and it says in verse 9, it says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Listen, how many times or how long has it been since we have grieved, we have mourned, in desperation for our Jesus. How many times? And, and what, why do we grieve? Why do we mourn in this process of desperation? Number one, desperation in itself is the key and is the knowledge knowing that we cannot do it without Jesus. Des repentance, and we repent, we turn, and then we now realize that out of desperation, that if I don't get that intimate relationship with Jesus, I'm going to go right back to where I was. I'm going to go right back to where I was. Isaiah 64, 6 says this, all of us become like one who is unclean, and all our righteousness act, all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We 
have got to realize that our hope, our strength, our ability is 100% rested in a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the truth. It is the truth. How many can testify today that you have walked a path and you, you felt like you had that personal relationship and you were seeking him out of desperation? And how many ever got into a little slump and next thing you know, that personal intimate relationship kind of backed down a little bit. And the next thing you know, you notice you're struggling a little bit. Next thing you know, temptation seems a lot more tempting to you. Come on, you know what I'm saying. And that is what Isaiah 64 is talking about, that we have no righteousness within ourselves. Righteousness only comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. It only comes by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have got to have that. We've got to seek that. And in desperation, we've got to grieve, mourn, and wail. Sometimes it's time to put our dancing shoes away and get the knee pads out. And get on our knees before Jesus. Turn in your joy to gloom. Sometimes it's time to just get on our knees and start begging God. And start out of desperation, out of repentance. Just begin seeking him. Begin seeking him. So many times in our life, things change. Not in a huge, big bound. But things change a little, a little, a little, and a little, and a little at a time. And the next thing you know, we look at our life and the way we live, and we would have never put up with that five years ago. Come on. Come on. And you look back, and it didn't happen overnight, but a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, uh, a little bit of comfortable, a little bit of compromise. And next thing you know, things that would have grieved us, we're now living in. It's the truth. We have to have that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, here's the most incredible, awesome thing, that when we come to repentance and we come to desperation, I want you to know that he will never turn his face from us. He will never deny us access to his mercy and grace when we come with the repentant, when we come with desperation. He will never deny us, but he says that when we humble ourselves, that he will lift us up. Here's the incredible thing. Here's the awesome thing. We know as we began to seek him, if we began to repent and come to him in desperation, the Bible says he will lift us up. He will bring us back. He will take us to that point. It's his promise. It's his way. Listen, you have repentance, and repentance should lead to desperation. And then desperation brings us to a deeper love with Jesus. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. And Pastor read verse 37 earlier, and it says this. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. These are the first and greatest commandments. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And listen to verse 40. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All of the laws and the teaching of the prophets all hang on these two commandments. To love God with everything 
and to love your neighbor and to love people. All of them. I want to tell you something. I want to, let me read that verse 40 again. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And listen, a love for God. I want you guys to listen to this. In Matthew, uh, Matthew 22, love for God will keep us from sin. Listen, a Matthew 22 kind of love for Jesus Christ will keep us from sin. Because it says everything hangs on those two. And what Jesus and the wisdom, um, it, the wisdom that is spoke there, it, it, the wisdom is just, it's mind-blowing. But Jesus knows this, that if you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, that you're not going to want anything to do with sin. You're not going to want to know how close can I get. You're not going to want to know where's the gray line. Where's the gray area. When you have a love for God in that way, it will keep you from sin. Because a love for God will make you despise sin. It's the truth. All, everything. Now, how many has been in church? And whether growing up or whatever, how many at any time in their life has thought in your relationship with Jesus that you had, it was like you had a list of a thousand rules that you had to follow, and if you didn't, you're going to hell. I, I mean, how many, at, come on, how many has ever been at that point? Thank you, Jesus, for making things so much simpler for us. Because the wisdom he gives in this scripture throws that completely out the wall. Because if you truly have a love for God, like that scripture says, you're not going to have to worry about whether you mess, whether you're doing this sin or that sin or that or that or do, don't, don't do this, don't do this. Your love of God will keep you from that sin. It will keep you from desiring anything that is contrary to him. It's the truth. It's the truth. So take your list out of your Bible and throw it away today. And replace it with this. And say, if I want to walk away, if I want to live in repentance, if I want to live in desperation, then I have to turn my love, my heart, my everything to Jesus. That's how I do it. It's not a 10-step program. And don't get me wrong. There's awesome programs out there that are biblically based that help us. But the truth is, it's only an intimate relationship with Jesus that's going to break those chains. That's it. A love of God that keeps us from sin. A love of God, a true love of God cannot be replaced with anything in our lives. With anything. When we have a Matthew love of God, when we have that, no person, no thing is going to be able to creep its way in and take his place. Because we're going to understand just who he is to us. We're going to understand just who he is to us. He cannot be replaced by anything. And a love for God, Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40, will guard our lives from anything, replacing that relationship with him. Anything. Listen, this kind of love for God draws us to our true purpose. 
this kind of love of God will bring us to our true purpose. This kind of love will draw us to the purpose of living a life, living a life that is a living, active testimony to the world of who Jesus Christ is and that he could change us. The truth is, is they still say today, they still today, the numbers still say today that 95% of Christians in America never share the gospel of Jesus Christ with anyone. 95% of Christians still to this day do not, do not. Now, I will say something, just give a, some of God, some of God numbers are a little bit better than that. And so, but, but, but listen, the truth is a high majority of people do not fulfill their purpose as a Christian. A true love for God will draw us to our neighbors and will begin to love them just as ourselves. A true love of God will draw us to our purpose. Sister Paula, will you go ahead and come on up and the worship team come on up? Listen. A Matthew 22 love is a love for God that will change your world. Did you hear what I said? A Matthew 22 love for God is a love that will change your world. It will change your family. It will change the people you work with. It will change situations. A Matthew 22 will change our world. A Matthew 22 love is going to is going to get us to where we start caring of whether or not our acquaintances and friends go to hell or not. We're going to start worrying just a little. We're going to start caring just a little bit more as we fulfill these commandments that the Lord gave us. We're going to be concerned about our neighbor. We're going to be listen, a Matthew 22 love a love like that will be stronger than all your fears, all your worries when it comes to telling people about Jesus. It'll be bigger than all that. When you get a love and a passion for Jesus and a love and a passion for people, your fears aren't going to stop you. Your worries aren't going to stop you. It's not going to happen. We need a love to change our world. Listen, God's people need to stand up and show the love of Christ and fulfill the scripture because the truth is that 95% don't share ever the gospel of Jesus Christ with anybody. We don't want to be, listen, we do not want to be what 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says. It says, if I speak in tongues of men, of angels, but not have, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can bear them all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but not have love, I gain nothing. The church will not be and will not have an impact in America. We can have the best programs, the best worship, 
the best Christian music. We can have the best food pantries. But the scripture says, if this love and passion for Jesus and others is not present, then we are nothing but a clinging symbol. Only a love and a passion for Jesus. That's the thing that's going to change your world. That's going to change our world. Because we should continue to do those things. They should be a part of what we do. But listen, when they're done with the passion and the love for Jesus, then they will make an impact that is beyond our imagination. It's the truth. Today, as we go into a time of worship, three words, Lord, came me, repentance, desperation, and love. Today, as we go into worship, I'm going to challenge you. If you're in this place, and you got to be honest, and you've been living double-minded, then a place of repentance needs to come into your life. A place of repentance needs to come into your life. Some of you today might just simply need to repent, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is already speaking and already, already nudging and already even showing individuals of areas of their life that they need repentance. You might need to repent for being more focused on what you want than the kingdom of God. Today, there needs to be a desperation for an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus in your life. You might have been slacking a little bit. You might have been slacking in your personal time with him, your prayer, your devotion. You might, it, there needs to be a desperation. We need to realize, and you need to realize once again, like Isaiah 64 said, we cannot do it without him. We've got to become desperate for him. For some of us today, our love for Jesus and all that he is to us needs a flame set underneath it. Needs a passion and desperation set underneath it. Some of us, once again, we need to remember what it was like when we first fell in love with Jesus. We need to remember how passionate, how much we, how thankful we are that our sins were forgiven and that we couldn't do it, but he did it for us. We need to go back there again and go back and do the same things, have the same passion, the same love for Jesus. Today, Jesus is the answer to all of it. Some of you have been walking journeys for a really long time. Some of you have been walking journeys for a really long time. And it just seems like, is there anything good ever going to happen? Or you live day after day scared of what's going to happen next. But I want to tell you, Jesus is your joy. Oh, Lord. Jesus is your joy. He is your strength. He is your healer. He's your comforter. And I promise you, he can give you peace today. And so what we're going to do, we're going to go into worship, and I'm going to pray as we do. And listen, 
Some of you might want to kneel right at your seat. Some of you might want to stand and, and some of you might want to come and just fill these altars. These altars are open. But in this time, this moment, I believe that, listen, God ordained this moment, this time, this service for our church. We literally, after staff meeting, within a few moments, got a confirmation from another pastor that just happened to have a random phone call and a, a confirmation from another pastor in another state telling us this was right on what God wanted for today. God ordained this. Don't let it go. Repent. Become desperate. Love. And so I'm going to ask if you can, just everybody, let's stand as we begin to pray. And listen, if you want to come and kneel, you want whatever, let this be the moment where we once again focus on Jesus. We once again turn our eyes towards Jesus. Let's humble ourselves, and we know that he will lift us up. Let's pray. Jesus, as we enter this time in response of worship to your word, God, I pray, Father, right now, God, let us not hold back. God, let us not, Lord God, just say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it. But God, let us respond right now, this moment, not wait. You are giving us a call, Lord God. God, let us respond right now this moment, Lord God. And I pray for each and every individual, Lord God, right now that you will speak to them. Holy Spirit, begin to speak to them, Lord God. Begin to speak to them, Lord God, what their response should be during this time of worship, Jesus. God, we love you. And God, now we respond to your word for us today. In Jesus' name.
for your presence that is flowing through this room right now, God. I thank you that you are touching and healing lives. I thank you that you are breaking chains. I thank you that you are lifting depression. I thank you that you're lifting oppression. I thank you that you're lifting off every heavy weight right now, Jesus. I thank you, God, for your presence that is breaking chains in this place this morning. I thank you for your presence that's breaking off addiction this morning, God. I thank you for your presence, God, that is breaking off sickness in people's lives this morning, Jesus. I thank you for your presence that is breaking off confusion over people, of loneliness off of people. I thank you for your presence that is bringing peace, that is bringing joy, that is bringing strength, that is bringing healing, God. Your presence is all we need, Jesus. We need nothing this world has to offer. We just need you, God. We just need you. You, Jesus. We just need you, Jesus. We just need you, Jesus. We just need you, Jesus. We are desperate people, God. We are desperate people in a dry and thirsty and barren land. You are our oasis, God. You are our waterfall, God. You are our refreshing rain, Jesus. You quench the thirsty soul, God. I pray you would quench the thirsty heart this morning that is so desperate for you, Jesus. We are so desperate for you, Jesus. Just one sound of your voice, God, changes everything. Just one touch of your presence changes everything, Jesus. And we just pray for one touch of your presence this morning can set a life free forever and I pray that people would walk out of here different than they walked in God that they would be changed for an eternity Jesus and that we would walk out those doors and we would win this world with the gospel of 
of Jesus Christ. I thank you that this city, that this community will be changed forever. I thank you that drug addiction will be broken off of our city, God, because they will say that our city is the city of God, that our city is the city where the Lord Jesus Christ showed up and changed lives. Let us be your soul winners, God. Let us be your soul winners, Jesus, and let us be vessels of your presence, carriers of the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Speak peace into the room right now in the name of Jesus. For every troubled mind and heart, speak peace into the room right now. Thank you, Jesus. Speak peace into your heart and life. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace.
of the Lord been good today. His mercies are fresh and new every 
morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto us. What you have received from the Lord today, may he bless it tenfold in your life. May your love for God be more than others think is necessary. Yes. May your passion for God outrank anything else in this life. May you know what it is to walk in an intimate relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. May his blessing rest on you. May his goodness go before you. May his favor, <laughs> may his favor always surround your life. Anything that you put your hand to, may he cause it to prosper, that he will be glorified through you and that your life will bring honor and praise to him. May his covering always rest over your life. May you always know the depth of his passionate love that he has for you. May there never be a day you walk that you don't know his great love and compassion over your life. Father, I thank you that you are the fulfiller of these words. You are the God with whom nothing is impossible. You're the God who loves us passionately and gave everything for us. We are your people, your children, your sons, and your daughters. Lord, I say thank you today for what you've done and what you're doing and what you're gonna to continue to do in our lives. We place ourselves, our church, everything we do, we place it in your hands and say, God, lead us, guide us, direct us, and have your way in us, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen and amen. May the Lord bless you today. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. God bless you, have a great day in the Lord Jesus.
Thank you.